Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, I am so excited about today's episode and I can't wait to get into it and share it with you. But I just wanted to remind you before we get going today to visit expatmoneyshow.com and sign up for my private newsletter, EMS Pulse. Right now we are sharing the weekly episodes from the podcast, but also a ton of other products and services that we're going to be offering, lots of language programs, lots of tips and tricks for being an expat, whether you're a first-time expat or an expat hopeful. There's just so much going on at expatmoneyshow.com. I really hope that you get a chance to come and visit us, join the newsletter, and then from there, maybe join our Facebook group at expatmoneyforum.com. Lots happening. I really want to share it with you guys, and the best way to stay connected is through these two sites, expatmoneyshow.com and expatmoneyforum.com. Thanks so much. Enjoy today's episode. Cheers. Welcome, 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 guys. This is the Expat Money Show, and today I have something a little bit different for you guys. I actually have two guests on the line today. I have James Richard and Tim Smith. Tim is an up-and-coming artist based out of New York, and James is a personal friend of mine who does the management and promotion side for Tim's work. What I really wanted to do is showcase what it is like to have two people working towards one goal. You have the creative side and you have the business side and how well it can work together if you're really in sync with each other. Please welcome to the show, James Richard and Tim Smith. So guys, welcome to the show. Tim, why don't you give me a little bit of your backstory and then maybe we'll go back to James and we'll work from there. Okay. So, you know, first and foremost, I am a husband, my wife, Kim, and I have two kids and I've always wanted to be an artist. I'm a teacher currently, so I've been doing art as like a side hustle for about three years now and if you were to ask me when I was growing up kind of what I wanted to be when I grew up I would have said artist however there was always that myth or whatever you want to call it about the starving artist and now in today's day and age with technology I find that it's a better time than ever to be an artist because of social media you know Instagram alone has given me a career, so to speak, and hopefully it keeps growing and growing and building and building. So that's where my story is. So Tim, you said that you're a teacher. Did you study art in school? Is this something that you had a formal education and then went on to teach afterwards? Or Actually, no, I'm a self-taught artist. I actually teach second grade reading right now. Obviously, I hope to be able to become full-time artist one day, but no, no formal 
art education. I've always just had a passion for it ever since I was little. You know, my mom still has my sketchbooks and I used to just fill those things and go through them all the time, always sketching, always drawing. So I was happy to see this kind of surge of social media to help artists and promote their stuff. You know, it used to be so much, if you were an artist, it depended on where you lived. But now you can live anywhere and be an artist because everybody, the whole world can see it. But that's funny that you say an artist can live anywhere because I've been to your gallery and it's in downtown New York in Manhattan. (laughs) Right, well, that's where James has a lot of my stuff, but I live in South Jersey. So I'm right outside of Atlantic City in a small town. You know, my studio is my basement. And I'm really just a small town guy. I do a lot of this stuff, like I said, in the comfort of my own home, which is great. And then when I meet up with James, we get together and we collaborate and try to figure out the best spots for him to show and everything. So I've been lucky meeting him and getting to work with him a lot. And he knows a lot of the right people and a good audience for my particular style of art. Excellent. And James, maybe you can just take two minutes and give me a little bit of your backstory and then kind of explain to me how you two started working together and what the partnership involves. First and foremost, Mikkel, it's an honor to be on the show. So thank you so much for having us on. So I'll just give you a brief backstory of of myself and how I found myself into the art world. Growing up, I've always been you know, on the creative side. I, I come from a family of entertainers. So I've always had an interest in the music and, and art world as a younger kid. But I grew up an athlete and played sports in, in college where I actually met Tim and was roommates with Tim. And after college, I, I found myself in the healthcare sales world working with physicians on a daily basis. And I first really got interested into the arts. My uncle out in California is a big collector. So when he would come to New York... He would take me to some of his shows in the museums, and it was really interesting in the fact that art, to me, is like learning a new language. And when he would take me to these shows, it was quite special seeing these abstract pieces and having different interpretations of the art. It was very fascinating to me. And then a few years ago, one of my doctor friends introduced me to an artist that lived near me and we went over to his studio and you know we we hit it off and decided to do a pop-up art show at my apartment to bring together friends and we wanted to the goal was to bring together friends and and actually young entrepreneurs to share the art into an intimate setting and that was the the birth of this series that we've done this pop-up art show and i started you know reaching out to tim and i know he was you know, working on some on paintings and we connected and my goal is to really be able to work with artists and get their artwork out into the world in unique ways. And one of the unique ways was this pop-up art series. Okay, so tell me what is a pop-up art series? So a pop-up art series is a show in an intimate apartment environment that's done not on a weekly or everyday basis. You know, we we do shows on a monthly basis. So once a month, we normally send the invites before the event. So it's, you know, it's last minute. It generates a lot of buzz and and people get really excited about coming to the show because they don't know exactly when, but when they are invited, they do get excited to to see the new art. Okay, and do you represent only Tim or do you have other artists that you work with? 
No, so I, I have other artists that I work with, but I've been working with Tim now for close to a year. Okay. And we've done shows in, not just in New York, but we've also done uh, a, a show down in uh, Miami for Art Basel. Excellent. So, Tim, maybe we can switch gears a little bit. I want to understand why it is that you need to bring on someone like James, that you need to bring on a manager to represent your art. That's a, that's a good question. And, you know, early when I first started out doing this, it was great, but I was selling to a lot of friends. You know, I, I had a great support system, a lot of friends, a lot of family. And I really wanted to take my art to the next level and be able to really get it out there. So... After thinking about it for a while, I decided, you know, you have to be self-aware, I believe. And I think I was given a gift of being able to create art. However, sales is not one of my strong suits. I'm not good at sales. You know, it's just not in my blood. And I thought, who better than, than James to do this for me? So I knew he was into the art scene. I knew he knew what he was talking about. We kind of discussed it and at his show, even before that what I could do to grow, to get my name out there, and to continue to grow. So, like I said, I'm lucky to have him on my side to be doing this because if it came to me selling for myself, I don't know if it would be happening. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. A lot of people believe that they need to do everything themselves. This idea of solopreneurship and being able to do everything themselves shows strength. When actually, if you are able to outsource or if you are able to partner up and do JVs with other people and they have strong points and you can leverage that, I think that's a way to really grow your business exceptionally fast. Absolutely. I can't tell you how much it's been an asset to have Jim do that part for me because that used to kind of take its toll on me. If I wasn't selling, I wouldn't have time to create or it's nice to be able to just do the creating, which is my passion and not have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. And being able to focus all of your energy, I believe that the quality of the work at the end process will be a much higher level. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm distracted while I'm painting, I might as well put the brush down right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to be into it. You know, I get in my zone when I'm in my studio and I'm just creating, you know, just going at it and letting the brush strokes flow. That's excellent. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the style of the art that you do, Tim, because it is a little bit different. I've been to the gallery, I've seen it myself, and I was struck by how different it is, but how unique and interesting. Oh, wow, I appreciate that. I would consider myself a contemporary artist, mostly. You know, I like to do a lot of free brush strokes, quick. A style that I like to do, especially lately, is considered spontaneous realism, is what I've heard it being called. And it's just quick brush strokes, not thinking, but just really letting the paint do what it does, you know, splatters all over the place. For me, I do a lot of portraits of celebrities and icons and musicians and actors, stuff like that. So really letting them show through behind this kind of messy, free style, I guess you could say. Kind of like a yeah, free style of painting. That's excellent. That's excellent. Because I did notice being in like downtown Manhattan at this penthouse apartment, seeing this pop-up art show, things were very fresh, very new, very trendy, and not something that I had seen because I love art. I have a huge background in art myself, but more from the classical side. So to be in a situation like that was just so fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, the art world is forever changing. And I think you have to be true to yourself and what, what you're into. Although I started out doing just, you know, realism and trying to 
make stuff look like the reference photo that I was copying. I just felt like it was a bit monotonous for me. So I started trying to experiment and see what made it fun for me and, you know, got my energy into it. And it's been great. I love to check out different styles and I'm always trying new styles. But this has been one that has stuck with me, I would say. So there's a great book by Austin Kleon called Steel Like an Artist that has been um, a good reference for me. I always go back and I'm looking at it. And he just basically says, you know, see other styles, experiment, but give it your own twist, kind of. So that's what I try to do with, with my art. That's awesome. Excellent. So, James, Tim mentioned just a minute ago about being able to go to your network and being able to promote. I remember you telling me a story about a certain billionaire, maybe we will leave out the name, that purchased some of the art. Can you tell me that story? So, yeah, Mikel, it was a pretty incredible experience down in Miami at Art Basel, you know, our show at SLS Hotel. And it was the next day after the show and the artwork was still hanging and I get a call from one of the managers and they said, you know, we have someone interested, you know, to look at one of the pieces. So I was at another event and I rushed over and it was in the, actually in the middle of dinner service. And I sat down with the couple and we started talking about the, the piece and they asked me how much and I gave them a price and, and that was it. They, they purchased it right there, and funny enough, they, they wanted to take the piece right there from dinner service. <laughs> we couldn't exactly do that because it was full, and there was another couple sitting below the, the piece. So we actually had to wait for them to, to get up and called the engineer. The engineer went up, got the piece right off the wall, and... I delivered it right to the hotel. They were staying at the W Hotel, so we went, I went right over there and hand-delivered it to them. And that was it, and they went on their way. I think that's hilarious. So you, yeah. you sit down for dinner with a billionaire. They want to buy the piece, and they don't even want to wait for delivery the next day. They want to take it right that second uh, and interrupt people's dinner to have it removed. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> that's the life of a billionaire, I guess. Excellent, excellent. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about what your focus is now, what you guys are working on, and where you guys want to head? So right now, one of my biggest things is I want to get a solid body of work. I want to have between 15 and 20 big pieces of art that I can display or send to a show whenever or sell you know, whenever the opportunity arises. So I'm really working hard on putting out good quality paintings, bigger pieces, and I'm trying to, to gather a lot of them. Also, I'm still doing some commissions. However, I'm trying to be more selective, which is hard because, you know, obviously commissions help pay the bills. But I want to give myself the time to focus on not what somebody else wants, but what I want out of my art, you know, because that's really where my passion is is doing what I want to do. And hopefully other people can see my passion through that original pieces. Perfect. Makes sense. So you mentioned many big pieces. Explain a little bit to the listeners what type of time frame it might be to create one of these pieces. You know, the funny thing is I could spend eight to 10 hours on an eight by 10 drawing, which 
for me, it gets to be a little bit monotonous. You know, I don't mind doing it. I, that's how I started out. So I still do love doing that. But at the same time, for instance, last night I started a three foot by four foot painting of Jay-Z and I finished it. I finished it. I was up till about two o'clock in the morning. But when that time is going and you're just, like I said, that freestyle of painting, it just flows. I think it took me between four and six hours around there and with a couple breaks in between and, you know, reflecting upon it and making sure I'm happy with it. But it's amazing how something so big could take less time when you're in the moment and you're really feeling it, you know. So it depends on on the piece. It depends on my inspiration and how I'm feeling at that time. But it's, it's different for each piece. And I would also imagine being an artist, the art itself is not how long it takes to create that piece. Actually, the time is not really quantitative because you might have been thinking about it for weeks or months or even years before, before you ever put brush to canvas. That's a great point. You know, I'm glad you said that. For a while, I've been looking at this reference photo of, of Jay-Z that I loved. I said, man, that would make a great painting in this style. And you're right, it has been weeks. You know, I got the picture a few weeks ago, and I thought how I wanted to present it, how I wanted it to look on the canvas, what size the canvas. So you're right, there is a lot of prep and constant thinking and, you know, reflecting and making sure it's just how, how I like it. I don't ever go out and say, this is going to be about you know, this, I'll work on this for 10 hours and I'll be done. Because to me, you know, I always go out with the mindset that I'm, go I'm not going to stop until I'm absolutely loving it, until I think it's perfect. Now, there is a quote, and I can't remember who it is from, but they say that basically every time you create something, you actually create it twice. First, you create it in your mind, and the second time mm -hmm. you create it, in the physical space. Right. So I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Absolutely. You know, sometimes I absolutely see the pictures in my mind. Sometimes it's hard for me to talk about them. Sometimes it's hard for me to describe what I want to do. But when I get the brush in my hand, it's, it comes natural for me to put it down. So, Tim, maybe you can talk a little bit for the listeners. If there are some artists out there who wanted to take things to the next level, if they wanted to do things in a more professional way, mm -hmm. maybe what tips or what action steps you could give them? That's a great question because I still I'm, I'm learning every day some new things that I could do to grow. But I would absolutely say take a step back and look at your stuff. Think about yourself and what kind of person are you. If you're that person that can go out there Go into galleries, throw your name out there, show people your art, sell your art in order to grow, then, you know, by all means, go for it. Like I said, I had to say to myself, okay, you know what? I can't do this part as good as I would like to. So it's all about being self aware. And like you were talking about earlier, outsourcing is such a, a huge part of it. And I know as an artist, it's hard to do that because. You know, you think, oh, what can I make off this? Is it going to be worth it? It's definitely been worth it for me because that whole business side, which I don't have a lot of experience in, you know, I don't have to worry about that as much. So I would say whatever money you are making, put back into your skill. When I started to do some commission pieces, I wasn't making a lot of money, but whatever money I would make, I would go out and I would get a bigger canvas or I would get better quality paint or I would um, get a better art book, you know, and I would just read and I would 
study and I would make sure I'm doing everything that I could to grow. I'm constantly observing very successful artists and you know talking I have an artist mentor named Mike Bell who's an amazing artist I'm constantly asking him questions and bouncing ideas off of him and going back and forth so get a mentor get someone you can ask read books everything put your name out there put the money back into your craft Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. We'll talk about books a little bit later, but definitely I want to vouch for you about having a mentor or having a coach. Literally every aspect of my life where I expect to make progress, I have either a coach or a mentor. So for growing the podcast, I have a coach. For my fitness, I have a personal trainer. For a business coach, I look at people who have done certain things in their life that I want to do, and I pay them professionally for their time. And I think it's a way to shortcut this whole process to success. A lot of people, when they want to save money, they'll end up using just free resources, maybe on the internet. And there's nothing wrong with those types of things. But what ends up happening is it takes you six months to learn something where really you could learn it in in a conversation or in a week with working with the right person. Exactly. You're absolutely right about that. So actually, I'd want to ask both of you guys this question. I want to talk a little bit about failure. So maybe from Tim, your side, we can talk about the challenges in being an artist. And then maybe we can follow it up, James, with maybe some times that you fell on your face being a manager or promoting as an entrepreneur. So I guess I wouldn't necessarily call it failure as much as a setback. But one of the biggest things for me in that kind of made me an artist, I would say, was even since I was a little kid, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I love sports, but I would always get hurt like the first game of the year and I would be out for the year. I was never into video games or anything like that. So instead of doing that, I started drawing and literally this not so much a failure, but a setback of constantly getting hurt kind of guided me. I almost feel like it was meant to be for me to be here. And now I'm doing what I feel like almost like my life's purpose. So I think it's taken me some time to realize it. I think I was 28 when I started really getting into the art world. And I kind of think, man, I wish I wish I started earlier. I wish I kept sketching and drawing or I wish I started painting earlier. However, like I said, I think it's what's happening is meant to be right now. So have you ever gone out and bought like a $500 canvas or something and just ruined it? (laughs) Well, I have, trust me, I have gone over my pieces several times (laughs) and the canvases can be expensive. And when you're not making a lot of money, you know, then absolutely it could be devastating. But the good thing about paint is you can always paint over it. So I guess you could say that I definitely have busted up a few canvases, but then, like I said, just gesso over it, start over until you're loving it. There's actually, I think one of my best pieces was originally going to be something completely different, and I had a painting under it, and I was like, oh, I'm not feeling this. So failure, maybe, setback, maybe, but overall, when you keep going at it, you get what you what you like. So overall, it turned out to be successful. Excellent. I think You just constantly have to be learning from your failures, from your mistakes, and realize, okay, maybe this isn't exactly what I had planned, but as long as you keep at it, it works out. 
Excellent. I just want people to understand that nobody is getting this right the first time, whether you're an entrepreneur, an artist, or in business, or in any aspect. It takes multiple goes yeah. uh, and multiple screw-ups to, uh, to get something that you're really happy with at the end. And you're right about that. And you know what? I'm lucky. I have uh, great family and great friends that told me my stuff was good in the beginning. And now I look back at it and I'm like, oh, gosh, you guys were being nice, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> Now, having a good support structure is always key. Yes, absolutely. So, James, why don't you tell me a little bit from your side? Sure. I think when you know we first started, I didn't know what I was doing, right? I, I knew I wanted to host an event and curate art but it was it was a learning process especially on the sales side right so our first event was a good turnout you know we had a lot of people the the show was you know hung very nicely but I, I wasn't sure how to make a sale at the show there wasn't you know I didn't think of a, a good plan of action I didn't have a way for them to purchase the art right at the show initially so that was, I mean, I guess that was a failure in a sense of execution on the sales side and, and what we did to make things better for future events with interest from people that were at the show, we would take their information down and, and set up uh, one-on-ones back at the gallery because even though we, you know, we were not selling art in the beginning, we still didn't want to make the show feel like that we were selling art to our guests with everyone there. We wanted to do more of an intimate one-on-one follow-up. So you did more of a soft sell at the pop-up event and then scheduled later on to close the sale. Yes, that's correct. Cool. And I know when we were hanging out in New York, we discussed maybe in the future collecting cryptocurrency on the spot for people who wanted to purchase art. Yes, that was a great conversation that we had. And I was actually out in San Francisco last week and I was walking past a store and, you know, oddly enough, there was a sign in the window, we accept Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin and their pieces of art. So <laughs> that's very, very encouraging to see out in San Francisco and it's something that it would be amazing to do. Yeah, I would like to do a show where have each piece of art would be one Bitcoin. So I think it would uh, I think it would garner a ton of attention and be a really unique concept that I plan to work on in the future. Absolutely. I think you guys should because I think that's really unique and it's a good way to promote yourself, something that's a bit different and also couples in with the modern and with the trendy that's happening at the moment. Sure. I got Tim to buy his first piece of cryptocurrency, so it was a, it was a big day <laughs> last week. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride, Tim. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what do you guys think is maybe hot in the art scene these days? I'm really curious what's hot and what's current in the art scene. I mean, that's a good question. Like I said, the art world is forever changing, you know. I think there's a lot of conceptual issues that are constantly being brought up that people portray through their art that have been very popular lately, whether it's Trump, whether it's something else going on in the world. So it's always changing, you know. I think that's always a hot topic is conceptual ways to express their true feelings about what's going on. I also find a lot of graffitis popping up everywhere and even mixing mediums with graffiti and acrylics. I've been trying to experiment with that a lot as well. And I, I love that look. I think it's a cool 
I think it's popular and I think it's kind of modern, you know, mixing and matching everything that kind of goes, it goes well together, believe it or not. So, okay. So different types of medium and combining them into a new style. Yeah. Yep. I know art's been around forever and I think that you have to constantly, constantly be learning and trying new things. And it seems like by mixing a lot of different mediums, people are coming up with new, unique ways to portray their art and express themselves. Excellent. So tell me some of the other artists that you might like, Tim, that has influenced you. Well, first and foremost, I got to say Mike Bell. He is an absolutely amazing artist on a whole nother level. His brush strokes are so smooth. He comes up with some unique, unique ideas that I haven't seen people do. He he has like a, a niche that he works with. He does these matchbooks and he draws little little figures or celebrities and he takes the match the matches and makes it look like their fingers so he could do something like Sinatra and the matches would be bent to look like fingers holding a cigar or a cigarette or something like that. He's awesome. Other artists, I love Voka. He's an Austrian artist and a lot of my recent styles that spontaneous realism that I've been working with lately is kind of I was inspired by a lot of his art. It's he does a very Actually, I think he was the one who coined the phrase spontaneous realism, and he's been awesome. I'm constantly looking at his things and learning from him as well. So I'll make sure I put links to these artists in the show notes at expatmoneyshow.com. Great, great. So I want to remind you to go to expatmoneyshow.com to pick up your free special report called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. We have had some really good feedback with this. It's actually a project I've been working on for probably about four years now and been offering it to my subscribers. And I am constantly updating it with the best and the newest resources for people wanting to go abroad. It is really amazing. I'm really happy with the work that we've done. And it's really different than a lot of the other projects out there or special reports or ebooks or anything like that. And this is one of the main differences. It is highly curated, it is highly condensed. It is not 400, 500 pages long and talking about every single thing out there and every single little detail. Actually, that doesn't serve anyone. Your best bet is always to go with the really, really condensed information so that you can connect the dots, so you can understand what's happening and how things fit together. And that's exactly what this special report does. So it's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. You can find it completely for free 100% free at expatmoneyshow.com. Okay, enjoy, and let's jump back into the interview. Okay, so Tim, if we have some new artists who are listening and they want to get into this, what are kind of the skills that you think that they should focus on right now? Just constantly putting out content. You just have to start. I mean, one of the hardest things to do is start, and especially painting or drawing, it, it doesn't look good at first. I think they uh, call it the creative process when you start it. And at first you start and you're like, oh, this is the, the best thing ever. I'm awesome. Then a little bit into it, you're like, eh, it's okay. You know, about halfway through, you're like, wow, this is absolute dog shit. <laughs> and then you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, it's starting to get better. Then by the end of it, you're back to, wow, this is, this is exactly what I was looking for. So you kind of just got to keep going 
as you're painting or you're drawing, you just got to get through it and keep, just know that with every brush stroke or every pencil stroke, you're, you're making progress and you're getting somewhere and it doesn't always, it doesn't come quick. It really doesn't. So everything really goes full circle. It really does. You know, I've worked on pieces that took me over 36 hours and like 18 hours in, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awful. But then you get to this one point where you start to see, you almost start to see the light, like the potential that it can have. And if you kind of just break through and keep painting and keep drawing and you eventually get there, but constantly, constantly be learning from others. I watch, I mean, in today's day and age, you have no excuse not to know how to do something, right? YouTube is absolutely amazing. I'm on YouTube all the time, constantly trying to learn from different artists. You know, there's so many how-to videos, whether it's just how to do an underpainting or how to add more details to a piece of your art, you know? There's no excuse. The hardest thing to do is just to start. So if, if you're a young artist looking to, to grow your business or to get your name out there, just be researching. Try to learn everything you can. Excellent. So you would recommend for people to just start straight away and then figure out afterwards what they actually need to learn and then go and research those individual things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you learn on the fly with art and it's a, it's a way that you kind of find your own style as well. You know, you don't want to read a book cover to cover and say, okay, well, the book said to do it this way. You got to just try it. And if it's something that you're not happy with, go back and try it again. And then, you know, as you go through, then you continue to learn and you could look up something or try it a professional way, I guess you could say. But overall, I think you have to find your own way with art. Excellent, excellent. So James, I kind of have the same question for you. When managing, when promoting, because really what you're doing is marketing, what are some of those skills that you think are really applicable in this genre? Sure, that's a great question. I, I think it's important you know, for me as a marketer and a promoter to really bring in the younger generation to see the works and to expose them to the art world. You know, the scene, you know, as it was, was really, you know, the 50 plus that were interested in collecting and going to, you know, these different art events. So I really was focused on trying to bring the younger generation to these to these shows and to expose them to which I call it, you know, art as this beautiful new language. And I think some of the museums, especially in New York, uh, have caught on as they are hosting, you know, monthly events at night. I think a great one that Guggenheim is doing is called Art After Dark, which is uh, it's a pretty incredible event. So they open up the museum from 8 p.m. To, to midnight, and they have cocktails and music, and you can go through the museum. It's, it's a really fun event, and it really brings in a younger crowd, you know, a new, fresh crowd that is really interested in getting into art to learning more about art. So do you find that you have to do a lot of education then with your marketing? If you're bringing in a new crowd that might not be used to something like this, it seems to me like you need to uh, actually teach them what to look for or what to appreciate. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. You know, Tim, man, we, we sold some pieces to some relatively new collectors 
So there's definitely an education curve in regards to, to speaking the language to this crowd. However, I, I also let them know it's really important, you know, you want to buy, it's a really simple rule as a new collector or anything in life. You want to buy what you love, right? So you, you can't really, don't look at, at buying as you're buying a piece just because it's maybe an expensive piece. But the first rule is to, to really buy what you love and what you're going to enjoy because you are going to have that piece of art, you know, throughout your life. You know, it really is a, a timeless piece. So it's really important, you know, when you're purchasing a piece of art to, to buy what you enjoy. That's the, that's the golden rule. Well, that's a really interesting topic. I'd love if you unpack that a little bit more, go into maybe art as an investment and maybe some other rules or things that you can think of regarding that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the, the first rule. I, I guess other rules are when you're looking into buying art, you know, I would really have goals in, in regards to one would be your, your price range and, and two, when buying, it's really important to do your research, to, to read about the artist. If you have an opportunity to you know, try and go meet the artist, I think it's really important, as important as the actual artwork itself, but the, the artist and the artist's story. Art is all about the story. So you know, these pieces that appreciate and value all have a very unique and interesting story, and as well as looking to purchase and buy to different styles. It's very important as well when you, when you buy art. You want to look for an artist that's doing, to Tim's point earlier, that's doing something different, right? That is, is pushing the boundaries and not being a follower in regards to a style, but really um, doing something new and creative. I think that's also very important as well to look for. So that's interesting that you mentioned goals. Do you think if you wanted to be a new collector that you should have goals on the amount of pieces? Like how would you how would you help curate someone's collection? Sure, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's twofold. I think it could definitely be pieces as well as, you know, setting a, a budget and a, and a monetary value in what you want to invest. I think it's a mixture of, of both in regards to pieces and, and monetary, but I also, you know, would advise um, new collectors to really diversify um, in regards to which artist. So instead of, you know, maybe collecting one artist's work, go and start with three different artists. I, I think diversity is key into in, building a collection. Excellent. So I think it's so interesting to have both of you on the line here to be able to see the art worlds from two different mindsets. So from one side, Tim, we have you who has focused just on the art and you're able to allow James, who does such a fantastic job of promoting it, to really do what he does best. James, I really want to talk to you about being an entrepreneur and those skills and that mindset for being an entrepreneur and how other people should develop this. Sure. You know, I think the word entrepreneur is really thrown out there and, and you know, overused sometimes. I, I think being a true entrepreneur is someone at first that always wants to learn, that wakes up every day wanting to get better at whatever, you know, business that they are doing or they're developing or they have an idea and being able to learn and take actionable steps 
to actually execute on that idea. It's one thing to, to say that you want to do something, and it's a whole nother, you know, level of actually going to execute that and learning what it takes to, to get to your end goal. And I think that's really important for entrepreneurs or people that are listening to the show that want to become entrepreneurs is to really have the willingness to, to learn. And Mikkel, you, you hit the nail on the head, surrounding yourself with either mentors or coaches to help you along the way. I think that's crucial in regards to development, not only as a person, but as an entrepreneur as well to surround yourself with that network and, and have an open mind when you're, you know, achieving your goals throughout the way. Perfect. That makes perfect sense. I really like that. So, James, tell me a little bit. Do you read? Do you study? Do you take courses? How do you learn these types of skills? Sure. I read a lot and I also surround myself with mentors and other entrepreneurs that I like to learn from. I, I think it's really important to surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs to learn what they're doing, to see their successes and to ask questions. I think asking questions, the right questions is really important to probe others to see how they're successful and, and take notes and follow up with those notes and, and to, you know, to learn online. You know, I, I read a lot of different articles and, you know, information is very accessible, especially on the internet, as well as, you know, read books that pertains to, you know, the specific topic that I want to learn about. I think that's really important to read and to grow as a person. So give me a couple of books that really influenced your life, James. I, I think the most important book I've ever read is Ray Dalio Principles. I, I think he does an incredible job really telling his story and telling all of his success and failures in, in a succinct way and the principles that he lives on and that you know we should abide by as humans. I think the book is just an, an incredible, incredible piece of writing. Didn't you actually have an opportunity to meet Ray Dalio? I, I did. <laughs> I, I actually I had the opportunity to meet him at the Forbes conference in, in Boston. And it was a pretty surreal experience um, <laughs> meeting someone like that, that, I mean, that, you know, that Bill Gates calls a huge influence on his life. So it was this pretty, pretty incredible moment to, to meet him and, and to speak with him about his, his book. And he's also, he's also utilizing, you know, he's, he's following up with more um, information, not just the book where he's actually doing audio and podcasts, and, and it's, it's going to be a whole learning experience, you know, for entrepreneurs to, to really follow what he has done throughout his life to, to make him as successful as he is. That's awesome. That's uh, definitely one of my goals is to meet him and maybe one day have him on the show. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, that's a good goal to have. Maybe we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, get in touch with, we'll get in touch with him and, and we'll try to get him on the show. Excellent. All right. So I want to hear two other titles from you, Jim, that really influenced your life as an entrepreneur. So the, the second one is it's a book by Jack Schwager it's called Stock Market Wizards. It's a very unique book in the way where it talks about the markets and, and trading and these traders that have beaten the market. And for me, it has given me 
a different way and a different mindset to attack problems in my everyday life because these guys that have beaten the market had a different way to think about doing so. And I feel like you can apply that to anything in life when you have these problems and, and you need solutions to these problems. So it's a great way to really have an understanding and to think differently. And it has those examples to really be able to do so. Excellent. So that would be one that you would recommend to people, even if they are not traders or in the financial markets directly. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a good agnostic read for anyone. Uh, not just you know traders in, in the financial market. It's just a it's just a really good read in in, gen, in general. Excellent. I'm going to put that on my list because it sounds really interesting. Yeah, and then and this is great because it has your name, Startup Land by Mikkel Swain. Okay, I, I like founder. I like the name already. So yes, <laughs> great name. He's the founder of Zendesk. and it, this is an incredible entrepreneur story. I highly recommend for. All those current entrepreneurs and expiring entrepreneurs, this is an amazing read. It's the story of what it takes to risk it all. I met these founders in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, that were literally living in a loft for years to create this company that eventually IPO'd. And it was the story from the inception of the idea all the way through what it took to IPO and still run as a super successful company. And it's just an amazing read because it really gets into the minds of these entrepreneurs that started this business in an apartment attic and all the trials and tribulations that they've had building this business into one of the most successful enterprise software companies in the world. And it's just an amazing story of sacrifice with their families that literally traveled across the world with them to, you know, be a support system to make this business as as successful as it is. Um, So I think it's a really, really important read for entrepreneurs. It's just an incredible book. Great. So sort of like an inspirational story, being able to see people, how they can come from nothing and build something so monumental. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Excellent. Tim, what about you? I would love to hear a couple of book recommendations from you. I'm always looking for interesting things to read, and I think that maybe you might have something that is kind of outside of the genre that I normally touch on. Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm a big reader as well. I would say that one of the best art books that I've read is the one I mentioned earlier, Steal Like an Artist. It's a real easy read, first of all, but it taught me to look at everything as an artist. And if I see something that I like, from one certain thing, then then take it. Keep it in my mind, keep it in my schema to maybe come back to it and use it somehow to help me grow in my art. Another title that I would recommend is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm a massive Malcolm Gladwell fan, so I think... Uh Are you just sucking up to me there, Tim? Are you sucking up to me there? (laughs) No, I actually have not, believe it or not. You know, I read that in my early 20s, and I would say that was probably the first book I ever read that really made me think differently and realize that you could take advantage of all different opportunities depending on your circumstance and really just help me think outside the box for once. You know, I think I needed it at that time in my life. Right away, that was such an influential book in my life. 
And the third title I would give you is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. How is that? I've seen that on Amazon a number of times, and the title is so catchy, so interesting. It is. Considering it's a play on the Lao Tzu book. But I've, I've never bought it. I've never read it. So it's not as long as the Lao Tzu book. Okay. <laughs> I actually bought it, and then I ended up buying the other two in the trilogy as well, which were Do the Work and Going Pro, because I loved it so much. You know, you really followed through. It almost was like you're in Stephen Pressfield's mind the way he would fight this battle against resistance to make his creativity continue to go and continue to grow and continue to, you know, it's sometimes it's such a hard thing to continue to be creative and come up with new ideas and you're constantly fighting this inner battle. And this kind of teaches you just to break through this and how to think so that you're constantly creating, I guess you could say. So one of the biggest things that I think I took away from it was before you finish one piece, always start another one. So for instance, like right now I have four or five pieces going and some are close to being done and some are just at the beginning. But if you're working on one piece, you might stop at the end of it and then have trouble starting over. You know, it's nice to have different pieces in different phases of their art. That way you can see the progression. And if you know if you're working on one for a really long time, then you kind of take a break, step back. Sometimes it helps to step back and look at your pieces and say, okay, I need a break from this one because I'm not doing my best work. And you could start on something else, you know, and it gives you fresh eyes, but continue to always have something going. That way you're never stuck in this resistance, so to speak. I love it. That's, a, that's quite a contrarian opinion that a lot of people have because usually when you think of business, they're always like, okay, when you start something, finish it and don't have too many things on your plate and focus just on one thing. But really what you're saying is this eliminates the difficulty of, say, staring at a blank canvas or me as a writer, maybe staring at a blank screen and having to start a new article or a new blog post. Exactly. It's a very, very interesting take. Now, I'm not saying... You should have four or five pieces like I do sometimes. Sometimes I think that's a little too much. However, I think two or three is nice to have, you know. So it's, it's a good, good read. I would definitely recommend that one. Excellent, excellent. So listen, guys, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to keep you on for one more question. And I just want to kind of paint a picture for you because I've got my artist friends here. So... I come back to New York and, uh, and maybe the three of us, we all go out for dinner and we're having a couple of drinks and uh, you guys take me to some really crazy place. Jimmy, what was the one we went to the rooftop bar and we had that incredible view of Manhattan? The public. The public. Okay, so we're at the public. I took Tim there. You took Tim there as well? That place was unbelievable. So we're at the public. Unbelievable. We're having dinner downstairs, a couple of drinks. I want to know from you guys, what's the one secret, that $1 million secret that really drives you to success? Good question. You know what? One thing that I noticed for myself, and there's, trust me, there's a lot of million dollar secret success, you know, to help you. But one thing that I noticed was I feel like I really started to break through when I let go of other people's opinions about myself. As an artist, it's, it's so hard. Sometimes you find yourself being very vulnerable, whether people like your stuff or what they're saying or what does this guy think he's doing? Like, you know? putting your stuff out there and expressing yourself in a visual way for people to judge and people to see is, is a hard thing to do, especially, you know, I'm constantly thinking about people close to me. What do they think about this stuff? Once I got over that 
it was huge. So if I could give, you know, one rule for success is just do not care what people think, good or bad, because the compliments are nice and everything, but really when it comes down to it, you're doing this for yourself. So that would be my rule. I love it. I love it. And I think in today's day and age with so much social media, there's so much fake people out there that they might say one thing to you and then behind closed doors, they might think something or say something completely different. So it's difficult to take what people say at face value anyways. So not caring about it probably saves you a lot of heartache and a lot of wasted energy. Right, right, absolutely. James, I want to hear from you. What's that $1 million secret? I've got my pen and my notepad ready here. I want to learn from you, buddy. For me, it's pretty simple. Shoot for the stars and believe in yourself. As simple as that. You know, the power of believing in yourself, to truly believe in yourself throughout the process, even when in your darkest hours, whether it's building a business or working on a piece of art that you, to Tim's point earlier, that he thought you would never see the light at the end of the tunnel. If you believe, if you truly believe in yourself and your abilities, you're going you're gonna to see that light, and you're going to see that light no, no matter what. It's because you yourself are the, are the most powerful driver to success, and throughout your journey, you're going to have doubters. You're going to have people that are going to tell you no. You're going to have people that are going to think you're absolutely crazy for the idea or the business that you're working on, but... If you believe in yourself and you believe that you can make change, you're going to do it. That's the bottom line. And if you just focus on that throughout the process, it's going to happen. That's fantastic, Jim. Actually, that one, that one really strikes a chord with me because I think that a lot of people, they look for permission. They look for permission from society, from education, from the government for whomever to do something. But actually, you don't need that permission. If you believe in yourself, if you believe that you're able to do it, then actually you can. It's that tenacity and hard work and dedication. Those are the things that really matter. Exactly. That's, that's right. 100, it's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Perfect, guys. Thank you both so much for being on the call with me today. I think it's been absolutely fascinating to have art presented from a business standpoint and from a creative standpoint. If the listeners want to get a hold of you guys, where's the best place to check out your art and maybe look at doing something with you in the future? Well, Mikel, thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. The best place to see my work and reach out to me would be probably my Instagram page and my website. So my Instagram page is at... T-S-S-Draw, D-R-A-W, and my website is theartworkoftimsmith.com, www.theartworkoftimsmith.com. Fantastic. And I'll make sure once again that all those links there are in the show notes at expatmoneyshow.com. Perfect. And Jim, where can people hit you up? Sure. Mikhail, I just want to thank you again for for having us on the show. It's, It's been a incredible experience and we we really enjoyed speaking with you just a link that tim's artwork is at a current gallery right now it's called avraart.com that's a b r a art.com some of tim's work is being featured at that gallery so if anyone's ever in south jersey and wants to check it out in person the details are on the website Okay, so thank you both so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we'll talk soon. Okay, guys? Thank you very much. Thank you, Miguel. 
everyone, Mikkel here. So I have an ask for you today. If you're enjoying this podcast, what I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you want to leave us a five-star review, even better. If not, tell us why. We are really doing our best to make this show the absolute best it can be to help as many people to go offshore and inspire entrepreneurs and investors and business owners to move their businesses abroad. There's so much to be had in this industry. I love doing this work and I love doing this podcast, but we want to get the message out there to more people. And the best way to do that is with reviews. So if you have ever gotten one good tip, one good thing from this show, if you enjoy listening to us every single Wednesday or whenever you listen during the week, then please take 30 seconds out of your day, go out there, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It actually makes a big difference for the show, for the visibility, and really helps get the word out there. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.